0: this week's game of thrones rewatch is sponsored by our friends over at true car because they've got some useful tips for you that you might not be aware of like how a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can help you clean the interior of your car you can also remove the excess weight from your car to improve its gas mileage and you can also place a keychain remote underneath your chin to increase its range all weird tips here's another tip that might not be so weird that true car can help you get a used car too what yes that's right because true car is not just for buying a new car with the certified dealer network and Nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, you can see what other people paid so you'll know if you're getting a good deal before you buy. So you're more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience when you connect with a True car certified dealer. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Winter was here, but we are just getting started here on the Game of Thrones rewatch here on Post Show Recap, Season 4, Episode 7. And now here are the two guys who never ever will give up on the gravy. I am
1: Rob Sister here with Josh Wiglet. Josh, how are you? I'm doing really well. I got to imagine that that was very close to the same introduction. Yes, I, I think it was a throwback.
0: I think I was going to say that I kind of vividly remember that
1: you and I talking about
0: never giving up on the gravy <laughs>
1: because you can't, you can never give up on the gravy and you can never give up on the, even the, the possibility of giving up on the gravy introduction.
0: Yes. Yes. So ridiculous. The return of hot pie is here in episode seven of season Season four Mockingbird, a lot to discuss here today as we take a look back at Mockingbird
1: with fresh eyes. Uh, fresh eyes, clear hearts, a little bit of a, of a, of a breeze as we are flying out the moon door and hoping to, uh, to land with some of our pieces intact.
0: hmm. Yep. Big moon door for Lisa Aaron, uh, R.I.P.
1: And uh, she had a, you know, big two episodes here back to back, uh, Carl Tanner-esque. Very Carl, Carl Tanner-esque. I don't think that we're gonna be. I don't know if you want to just like bust out your Craster impression for Lysa here. Like this feels like the sweet spot characters on the Winter Was Here rewatch. I pushed her through in the moon door ninety nine times. We had ninety nine moon doors at
0: Crasters. Yeah. So there's a lot of fun stuff there. Of course, a uh, great scene
1: with Tyrion and Prince Oberyn. Oh. Uh, God, yes. What a what a classic that and no, no sarcasm at all. That was genuinely uh, I, I somehow had forgotten just how spectacular that scene was. Mm-hmm. Ari
0: and the Hound are great here in this episode. And then also uh, introduction, I believe, of uh, Mountain 3.0 and also some Dario butt.
1: Oh, yeah. Dario is definitely a <laughs> new in Dario full, butt. Yeah. New Dario butt in this episode. So first, first time old seeing Dario butt. Yeah, but not as prominently. Right. This is, this is sort of the, the prominent Dario posterior, uh, mm-hmm. is, is this episode. And it's a great scene. <laughs> yeah. I really, I really enjoyed it. Him with like the, uh, the Essos version of the Patrick Swayze Chippendales costume. Like it's just, it's spectacular. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, let's get into it and let's pick things up with Jamie and Tyrion and Tyrion. Is basically getting chewed out by Jamie about I told you what to do. All you had to say was I'm going to the wall.
1: Yeah. You blew it! <laughs> he's, ve- he's, he's very upset because he had worked out this deal with their father and Tyrion. Uh, he was not having any of it. He was not gonna, you know, the deal that father wanted, it was, it was everything he wanted the whole time. You become his heir again. I couldn't be possibly further away from him. It's a win-win for him and I just couldn't handle it. Couldn't stand it.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tyrion is trying, I think, to spin it a little bit. He's like, no, can't you see that this was a, like a that deal that you all got me that was exactly what dad wanted this was the real F you to dad then and you could be my champion and then when you die imagine the look on dad's face
1: Jamie's like
0: Mm,
1: (laughs) (laughs) like i like what you're going for and i think it's a cute idea but there's got to be a way where i don't die i also liked it when
0: Tyrion is talking about how great it was when he told them off it's like the feeling you get when you you really zing somebody on twitter and jamie sort of puts it in perspective he's like yeah they'll be talking about it for days to come
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like when we kill this podcast today, like when you and I absolutely crush it today and like in like the two days after it comes up, you're like, man, that Game of Thrones podcast was really good. And then a year from now, no one even remembers we did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we get to start
0: to talking about this trial by combat. Who will be Tyrion's champion? And so Tyrion is talking about Bronn and we're trying to wonder who will Cersei pick? And Tyrion's hoping for... Sir Marin. Sir
1: Marin, we tired from the hound last week. Sir Marin's not even that great. Right. I think this is a miscalculation on Tyrion's part. For somebody who is supposed to be as smart as Tyrion Lannister, he's gotta know. Yeah, Maren Trant isn't going to be the person Cersei is tossing into the ring to take on whoever Tyrion is going to hire. She's going to bring out the big guns, and we are going to see how big that gun is in the very next scene. Okay, so let's meet the third
0: version of the mountain. And Josh, in your mind, is this the uh, the iconic, definitive
1: mountain of Game of Thrones? Yeah, this is the this is the mountain, right? I mean, I think that you can make an argument that the very first mountain uh, nailed it makes makes a big impression, kills the horse. That's a great scene. Everything that you see in the first uh, season with the mountain, but when you see Mountain three point walk in, and this is the first time we're encountering him here on this watch through the show, you can't even remember. What the other mountains looked like. 2.0 you know? socks. He's the George Lazenby of mountains. <laughs> Hey, some people really like. Nobody likes George Leslie. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is—he was the worst mountain. With all due respect, he's also probably the likeliest mountain to be listening to this podcast. So I feel bad in that in that regard. Uh, but I but I do think, just like objectively speaking, you're 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 absolutely right. He's like a little tall and lanky. It's just like a kind of weird looking mountain. Mm-hmm, yeah, he's the worst. And so here is
0: Mountain Three Point he's... and. He- he is just swinging a
1: broadsword. It just kill. It. Are these guys prisoners? Is this is just sparring practice for the mountain. Yeah, this is just like uh, fighter. <laughs> this is just like this is exercise. Like five days a week, the mountain just gets to slaughter. This is a his dozen cardio. What, whatever yes. like
0: peasants <laughs> or prisoners they have lying around in King's Landing, they just throw them in the pit for yeah. yeah. the mountain. Without, they don't even like get a stick or something to like defend themselves. Yeah. And he just has to. He just swings his sword around and just guts them.
1: Yeah, it's his cardio and it's lunch. <laughs> oh, he eats them too? (laughs) He probably eats them. Yeah, I imagine so. Uh, Yeah, but he's just ripping these people apart. And I liked the one guy's um, uh, plan. Like, one guy just, like, drops to his knees. He's like, mercy, mercy, please, please. Like, that's, like, the only tactic that maybe stands a chance. You're not going to run away from this guy. And, like, if you just, like, say, like, I tap out, I tap out, at the very least, you'll probably just get, like, a clean, immediate death. (laughs) So that's, like, the, you know, because he does, like, like knock this one guy down afterwards with one slice and you don't see it but you gotta imagine that guy was killed immediately yeah and cersei is just like stepping over like uh disemboweled remains
0: just to walk over and tell the mountain that uh he will be the champion for
1: her yeah yeah she's just like wading through opal, you know just all like the the entrails that will be grinded up into the mountains lunch yes. later on. Josh, is this same actor still Sir Robert Strong? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Thor Bjornsson, I believe, is his name, uh, who is a very, very strong man in real life. He did something where like he bench-pressed refrigerators or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what one of the very first Hollywood reporter stories I ever wrote was about this guy... Bench pressing like some sort of household appliance. I think it was a fridge. Maybe it was a washer dryer. I don't remember. Uh But this guy has been in the mix ever since. They've never replaced him for Robert Strong. Any of that. He is the guy underneath the mask. He is. He has held on strong. Yeah, he Robert, is. Robert Strong.
0: Measuring in at six feet nine at Jesus. 403 pounds, according <laughs> to this. I bet he's probably not 403 pounds. I bet he's probably like like 390. Yeah. I feel like I could take them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, the Cersei tells him uh okay you're gonna be the champion he was uh who who am I fighting shit doesn't matter really And he's like nah no. it doesn't no
1: okay. I'll kill I'll kill anybody like even if it's somebody who seems like they're a new main character I'll just pop a set off yeah
0: all right carry on carry on with killing all these guys uh big week for the Clegane bros on the show because we spent oh, a, a lot of time with Arya and the Hound in this episode and it's all pretty fantastic
1: yeah, I I really love this next scene of the episode. It's the hound, it's Arya, they're still on their way towards the Eyrie to to get uh the hound's handsome reward. Hopefully not uh just a, a lamp uh, fashioned like a leg. He is he is well, very he didn't win a ex- contest. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't won the Kulgaine Bowl yet, but maybe that's what's at the end. Fragile <laughs> <laughs> Sir Davos will have to come in and correct his spelling. Is that the box they used to send Tyrion to Essos? <laughs> <laughs> For GLA box. Oh, The
0: fudge. box that was left over oh. from, from the Hound's <laughs> Reward?
1: it's <laughs> handsome reward uh, <laughs> definitely not territory i expected us to go into today but life is filled with mysteries and wonderful surprises uh but the hound and arya they're gonna stumble upon this this uh this poor guy who is uh he's been stabbed he's been robbed he's been left for dead he's been stabbed in the gut terrible way to go bad way to go mm-hmm. and he's hanging
0: on and they start talking with him about, well, did you think about taking your own life? And it's a little bit of a conversation about like, well, uh, what, you know, what if the next thing is worse than this? What if it's nothing? Is nothing worse than this? And I think that this is an uh, important setup for what is ultimately going to happen with the Hound at the end of this season.
1: Yeah, I think so, Um, because he is going to be begging for death, and what he's going to get instead is just continued, sustained life. Uh He's going to have to suffer through this, and he's not going to be able to uh, convince Arya to give him the gift of mercy. And he's even showing Arya in this moment, like... This is where the heart is. That's how you kill someone. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, just in case I get dropped off the side of a cliff and you need to stab me. And she's going to learn the lesson in the immediate aftermath. She's going to get a chance to, uh, to test out exactly where somebody's heart is. But when she gets the chance to kill the hound later on, she is going to determine that. Nothing is probably better than what you are currently experiencing. And I'm going to let you dwell on this for a little while longer. Right. And so the guy
0: is asking for a drink and uh, the hound gives him a drink. Uh, the guy wishes it was wine. And then uh, the hound just ends up stabbing the guy. And we don't really get a reaction from the guy. He doesn't give us a a line or anything like that, but he seemed like he was happy.
1: Yeah, he was just like, psych, gotcha. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you give him the drink and then you stab him in the heart. A classic hound move. Yes. Uh, the guy, like you said, doesn't say anything. Um, but this scene with this with this guy, this is like this. This person just feels like so at home on Game of Thrones. I thought that this was one of the best non playable characters. You know, one of the great NPCs of Game of Thrones that I'd completely forgotten about. Yeah. he did a fantastic job here dying on the side of the road. Maybe a l- little too much hyperbole for this guy. I think of like the total forgettable, you don't remember that they are even on the show characters and then you wander upon them once again. This guy's got to be like top 15 at least. 15. If not top 10. All right. Well, maybe that's a list for you for the off season. I've got a lot of lists that are just piling up.
0: All right. And then immediately we segue into uh, what's this? There's a guy that jumps on the hound's back. The biter. It's kind of a total (laughs) non-sequitur.
1: The the scene has this mournful quality about it where it's like a real meditation on life Mm -hmm. and death. And is death better than mostly living? Like if you're on the precipice, like is it worse to die? And it's this moment where Arya and the Hound are kind of bonding and then suddenly like out of nowhere slightly scary music a guy just jumps on the hound's back and starts biting him and it is such a tone shift like you really get whiplash within the scene it's why I really mostly love this scene but I think that like there was there was really no elegant transition here to this uh, this next segment yeah but this
0: is all really funny because we find out from the biter who's very chatty it talks about how there's a hundred silver stag reward on the hound's head and And then Arya recognizes this guy, but she doesn't know his name, so he can't be on the list. So we find out that his name is Rorge? Yeah, Rorge Luskin. A very uh, Rorge
1: R R Martin name,
0: if I ever heard one.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, let's put this podcast in Rorge. Uh, <laughs> as uh, As Arya will put her needle in Rorge, the moment that he reveals his name, Arya's like, "Okay, sweet. Now you're on the list, and now you're dead." Yes. Okay. So it was a really the quickest time anybody has ever been added to the list and taken off the list. It was very efficient uh, and a very efficient retelling of the saga of Biter and Roarge. Uh, there was a, a lot more uh, embedded in this storyline in the books, and they really yara yara through it here on the show. Mm-mm. Why? Can you give some of the highlights? like Brienne like has to like hunt them down or like she like encounters them after hearing about them for a while and one of them is running around with the hound's helmet and so everybody thinks it's the hound but it's not it's just freaking Rorge uh, there's like a whole a whole side storyline going on with these guys in the fourth book they still die mm-hmm. uh, but Brienne gets uh, really gets into it with these guys and it leads her to Lady Stoneheart and that's a whole thing so they had to they had to consolidate all sorts of stuff
0: okay uh, let us Let's check in with Jon Snow back at the wall, home from Craster's. A hero welcome for Jon Snow. Nobody's
1: like, hey, where's Locke? Yeah, no one cared. (laughs) He probably didn't even remember he was there. He was there for five seconds.
0: Nobody really remembers the one casualty of the Rangers. And so they're back and everybody is excited, uh, except for Alistair Thorne, who uh, says that, hey, uh, lock up that beast.
1: Yeah, put ghost away or I'm gonna cook him into a stew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ghost soup. <laughs>
0: yeah, put him in the in the dinner. Uh the John Snow at one point is like, come on, ghost. And like the dog is, or the direwolf is so far away, somehow is uh, so tapped in that maybe John is able to a uh, war with the direwolf.
1: That's supposed to be a thing, but it doesn't seem to be a thing on the show. So that that was supposed to be a thing. They never really went there, but maybe this was uh, at the time they were leaving it open. Like John can communicate with ghosts from across a room. Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. So we have a meeting of the Night's Watch, and John is trying to say, Look,
0: Mance, we saw his fires, he's coming. Here's what we need to do. We've got the tunnel, we need to flood it, we need to freeze it, and we need to stop them from coming through the tunnel. And this is our last line of defense. And what does Sir Alistair Thorne think? think <laughs> uh that's a dumb idea
1: <laughs> um thumbs down for me yeah <laughs> yeah and he tosses it to, to the to the randy and paula of the crew jano's slint seems to be thumbs down and sir yarwick he's not having it either he disagrees with the call he's the first builder so
0: right no it really is a a, a pantsing of Jon snow in front of the knight's watchman as uh sir uh Alistair thorne says to Jon snow like uh remind me again what was what's your job here oh you're steward right are the stewards in charge of the tunnel no no, who would that be? Oh, the builders. Okay. Uh, let's
1: check with the builders then and see what they think about your idea. Yeah. Yeah. So poor, poor steward again <laughs> getting embarrassed in front of everybody. I kind of liked the idea. Flood the tunnel, and then it's going to freeze. Like, oh, the science. Yeah. yeah Jon Snow, you read that in a book somewhere, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, yeah. Totally a Sam idea that he just lifted from Sam and didn't give him any credit on. Mm-hmm, okay. That's how science works. Uh, it's good that he didn't do that, probably, ultimately, even though they're going to have to go through the crucible of fighting um, the wildlings here. Uh, I, I guess, like, Stannis probably still would have showed up and destroyed the wildlings but um the the having the the tunnels frozen and then potentially all these wildlings getting killed by the white walkers and just adding to their numbers mhm yeah not a great idea not a great idea okay
0: so then we check in with Tyrion and Bronn and
1: Bronn comes in he's got a, a extreme makeover Did we say this at the time that he just like is the like the like the grungy like half brother of Prince Humperdinck in those clothes? No, I don't think so. That sounds like a new take. Doesn't he kind of just got like this Humperdinckian quality to him? His hair, I think, is uh, like a little more combed. He's very in a Humperdinck sort of way. Yeah, with like the with the the cape and like the the doe skin material. Humperdink! Humperdink, 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 Humperdink! Yes. So it's Humperdink versus Dinklage in this Uh scene, as it is going to be the final scene between Tyrion and Bronn for quite some time. Yes. And so Bronn is recently married. He is uh, married to the great Lolis Stokeworth. Right who is not his key to the inheritance for uh, the 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 Stokeworth family, Mm -hmm. uh, the family gems and jewels and castle and all of that stuff. Felice, he has to get through Felice first. But Lawless is not
0: completely Stokeworthless.
1: She doesn't seem to
0: be his kind of type, though. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Tyrion uh, remarks that she's dim-witted, which is not very nice. Uh, And Bronn says, well, if I wanted wits, I'd marry you. Oh, my God, I'm shipping it. <laughs> yeah. So He sort of implies that he is going to bump off Lalas's older sister so that he
1: will be in line for the inheritance. Ladies fall from their horses and snap their necks yes. all the time. Which- I believe Bronn is what the Internet would call a problematic fave. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And really not totally dissimilar from what Littlefinger has in mind.
1: No, it's actually quite similar. (laughs) In fact, maybe a little less fancy, except for the new fancy clothes. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's very similar to what he has in mind. Right. And so Tyrion tries to, you know... Talk to Bron about becoming his champion, and Bron hears him out. He says, "Look, you once told me if anybody tried to, uh, you know, uh force me to betray you, you'd pay twice the price. So let me tell you what I'm getting." And Tyrion says that you know he, he can do gold in gratitude, and uh, Bron likes what the is gold, gratitude. Yeah, doesn't what's love the, the gratitude. What's with the gratitude? Right? He's getting
1: castles. Can you give me castle? castles? Yeah, and Tyrion's Two like, castles? yeah, but my wife. My wife is in the north. When I find her, like I could rule the north someday. You get a big piece of the north. Mm-hmm. It's cold. Cold in the north. Right. And it's the mountain, and he's big, and he's
0: strong, and he's freakishly quick. And, you know, one misstep, and I could be dead. And Tyrion says, but we're friends. He's like, yeah, I like you, but,
1: but I like myself a little bit yeah. more. When did uh, you
0: risk your life to save me?
1: Yeah. And Bron has a great point here when he's talking about the mountain, when he's sizing him up. I mean, Bron. It's a good scouting report. Yes. Talk about strategists like Bron has people's numbers very, very quickly where he says the mountain is really big. He is surprisingly fast. Maybe I could get him off of his feet somehow. But one misstep and I'm dead. And it's like he has seen the future. Like that is exactly how this battle is going to play out one episode from now with the Red Viper. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so Tyrion and Bronn will uh, have a parting of the ways for now. Oh, it's sad. End it's of sad the Bronn except man. it's
1: it's it's a sweet ending, right? Where where they they shake hands and Bronn gives him like the double hand shake. and they're they're like, we had some good times together. Like, yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. We did, Bronn. Yeah. And it's like, he wants to hear the song about how if, if Tyrion has to kill the mountain by himself, won't that make for a great song? I don't know if we've got a walled off prepared for that song for this podcast. Probably not. I assume mm-hmm. we'll see uh, if Colin Latchford uh, is, is,
0: is <laughs> Colin, busy this summer.
1: What do you got going on next week? <laughs> Cook something up.
0: All right, let's check in with Danny. And here comes Dario. Dario has a gift for the Khaleesi. He has swam a mile (laughs) offshore to get her some wildflowers, which I
1: think have held up uh, pretty well after the mile-long swim. Yes, and Tom Petty's Wildflowers would be another great walled-off entry for this week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so he talks about how, look, he's only good at two things, fighting and betting women. Yes, those are his only talents and he cannot pursue them here in Mirene because he is just effect, uh, he is effectively just like, you know, city watch here. And even though there are thousands of women in Mirene, there is only one he wishes to pursue and she does not want him. Yeah. Uh, turns out he's wrong about that. Yes. And she's like, okay, I do what you do best. Take off your clothes. I love that. Mm -hmm. I think it is. I think it is so great. I think Amelia Clark plays this moment so spectacularly, pours herself the drink, sits down, commands like the Khaleesi that she is, take him off. And he's just doing like he he literally looks like Swayze in the the Chippendales uh, sketch. It's amazing. He's got, like, the bow tie, no shirt. Do you want to cast Farley? <laughs> There's no one who could do Tarly. it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's probably a great dancer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, we don't have, I don't think that we've got the scouting report from that one night that we uh, uh, we were at the premiere, but maybe. Maybe <laughs> he was dancing when we weren't looking. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and uh, Dario does strip.
0: He strips. We see the bouteille. And uh, there you go. Yeah. Dariere. Dari- and boy, we are going to go into another scene with, we're going to see some more skin going on here as we have a scene between the Lady Melisandra and the Lady
1: Selise. Controversy, mm-hmm. right? Yes, there is yes. controversy in this scene. What's wrong with this picture, Rob? Well,
0: the Lady Melisandra. Is not wearing her
1: amulet. What 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 do we call that? What is the yes, uh, her, her ruby amulet that she always wears around her neck. It's gone. And she's in the bath and she's naked, but she's she's uh, she's not in uh in uh in Finkel mode. She's in Einhorn right now. N- yes, okay. Now let's just talk it through
0: because we see in the season six premiere, is that right? Yes, uh, that's where right. We see, uh, that when she takes off the necklace, she becomes the old woman and then goes in the bed after, uh, Jon Snow is dead and she's, uh, you know, locked away at the, uh, at the wall. So what is going on here? Is she wearing it as an ankle bracelet?
1: I think we've talked about that before, potentially as like a toe ring, maybe if she's got like a big toe, mm-hmm. like an especially big, big toe um she could be holding it in her hand i don't know if we see both hands in the scene or maybe she just likes the necklace and it's not that the necklace is the thing that is giving her her youth power Mm -hmm. in the future or it could be a continuity error yeah, that's probably it. That's I mean, probably do it.
0: we know based on our limited understanding of the Lord of Light's powers, what, is a necklace, a physical object? Have we ever seen that be sort of like the manifestation of any sort of like magical powers in Game of Thrones? Where well, I mean, if you yeah. if you wear this necklace, you have magic powers. But if you take it off, you don't.
1: Well, we've seen we've seen like magical items in service of a um, like at least a counterpoint. Like if you're thinking about like the the house of black and white and charmed faces, right? Mm-hmm. And like that That's you true. can like take those on and off. So there seems to be some sort of like actual physical attributes to the magic from this region of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. We don't know. Uh, so
0: I think that probably Occam's Razor here says that the production Conduid is screwed up.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit of a gaffe. <laughs> Whatever. Not that big of a deal. But you could write a thousand Reddit posts about it and still not get an answer. But one of the interesting things that they're talking about
0: here is about how Lady Melisandre talks about how most of these potions she has are really just for effect of like, look at, oh, this one makes like a lot of uh, smoke. This one will make any man fall in love with you. But that's not magic. That's just, you know, put my potions. And sometimes you need some tricks here to get people believing in
1: the Lord of Light. So maybe that that medicine that she gets from Salish, she's like, can you pass me that one thing? Maybe that is something that's some sort of like powerful de-agent. Maybe. Maybe we don't know exactly
0: what's going on there. I mean, uh Celise stares at Melisandra here and leaves some long looks at Melisandra. Like I mean, she's really like sizing her up. This
1: I I do I haven't like looked back too closely at the theories that sprung up from this, but my memory if memory serves, as they would say on Iron Chef, Iron Island Chef, uh that I I recall that one of the interpretations of this scene was Solis actually is looking at the legit Melisandre here. And we as the viewer, we are just not seeing it. Oh, uh, that's interesting. I've never heard anyone confirm or deny it. mm mm-hmm. uh, could be a, a question to waste on the rare opportunity that I ever get to speak with somebody who could answer it.
0: Well, you know, it's funny that when Melisandre says, oh, a drop of this can drive a man wild with lust. And then when Solis asks, oh, did you use this on Stannis? Is that why he ended up uh, being with you when you're 900 years old? <laughs>
1: <Is> <laughs> no, Stannis likes 999-year-olds. Yeah. But the upshot
0: of all this is that... uh, So does not want to bring Shireen, not because she wants to protect her, basically, because she says, you know, she doesn't like her. She's she she's a behavior problem. But Melisandre says, no,
1: the Lord of Light says we need her. Right. Look into the fires, my friend, and you shall see that we need we need her. The Lord of Light needs her. And I do wonder, like, what did you see? Is it as simple as an image of Shireen is there? And because she is there, that means she has to be there. Uh, that would be my impression. I can't imagine that Salise would be looking into the fire and seeing Shireen literally on fire and being like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to
0: Marine and Jora is coming to see Khaleesi and uh, he passes Dario in the hallway. Dario's implies that the Khaleesi is in a good mood this morning.
1: You can't call this a walk of shame. If there's no shame involved.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like and a walk he, of shamelessness,
0: and Jorah comes in, and uh, that he is uh, kind of being shady towards Dario. That it's early, but he sees that other people have been here earlier. Yeah, he's like,
1: really him? He doesn't even always look like the same person. Mm-hmm. How can you trust this guy?
0: Yeah, and she's like, I don't know, he's cute. What do you want? Yeah, and so uh they talk about what's going on with the slavers and what uh Danny's plans are and uh she has sent Dario to Yunkai now was Danny as pleased with Dario as Dario implies because uh she basically sends him off on you know a crazy mission
1: in uh in if 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 memory serves once again i uh, in in Book lore. I do believe that Danny is really feeling it with Dario Naharis. I think she's in. I think she likes okay. it. I think. I think on the show, to me, it has always seemed more to be like a like a uh, like a friends with benefits type of deal, where she is not like head over heels in love with this guy, but definitely recognizes uh, his talents and has eyes, so she can appreciate the form. Um, but I. I don't think that, I, I never got the impression that like she was really enamored with him. Uh, I think that, at, especially at this moment in her reign in Marine, you know, she has not really had to go through the tests. Like, she is still riding that wave from early Season 3 through this point where she hasn't sustained a loss in a good long while. Mm-hmm. I think she feels very confident with this choice of, like, I'll send him to Yunkai with the second sons. They could kill everybody. She's, you know, she says to Jora, I've ordered him to execute every master, and you Kai. those people are terrible and that will be good and jora is ultimately able to convince her uh that that's probably not the best way to carry out her business cuz jora he too sold men into
0: slavery and if ned stark did what you did i wouldn't be here so think about it and so uh danny kind of like uh, pivots and talks about how uh his dar will be the ambassador that is going with Dario. And so you could tell... Jorah, you could tell Dario that I changed my mind about this plan.
1: What do you think Dario said when Jorah came to him and said, "Uh, I changed her mind. You have to do this. He probably didn't believe it. Right. I think that probably... Dario
0: regaled Jorah with some graphic details of the previous evening. He seems like a kiss
1: and tell kind of guy. Definitely, definitely, definitely. You cannot trust that guy Mm -hmm. at all. No faith, no faith in Dario Naharis. Yeah. All right. Arya and the Hound
0: are back together. The Hound is mad that uh, this wound from the biter is festering a bit. And we've seen this before on Game of Thrones, that a little nothing out in the elements, Josh, can turn into something.
1: Yeah, this is bad for the Hound. Obviously, he is going to get worse uh before he gets better. But he's going to he's going to rebound from this after he uh is going to be a little on the sick side for the next little while. Um But Arya is saying, like, you got to you got to burn out the rot. The mm-hmm. horrible bit is is what she says. And he doesn't want it because he's a no fire kind of guy. Rob, I don't think that we've ever really have we talked about like as we're forecasting the future of the show, you know, one of the great benefits of what we are doing here is we're trying to figure out what the final six episodes of the show will look like. Do you think that the hound wielding fire in some sort of proactive way, that's got to be something that happens at some point, right? Yeah. Do you think that that could tie into the
0: Clegane ball?
1: Could there could, be some sort of
0: like, yeah. I don't know, uh, could he get the flaming
1: sword and use that to strike down the mountain? Yeah, I thought about that, you know, Barric Dondarian telling the Hound, like, we'll meet again, and the Hound being like, I bloody hope not. Like, mm-hmm. you, could, you could imagine the Hound getting Beric Dondarian's flaming sword and killing some Whites that way. Does he have to use it against uh, Sir Gregor or Robert Strong? Um, I think that those are possibilities, but I feel like there's a lot of potential there just in terms of the closure of the Hound's arc in the grand scheme of things involving fire in some capacity makes a lot of sense to me mm-hmm.
0: and so does that also work Josh does, like uh, like if somebody has like an infection could you like
1: stab them with like something hot well I've never had a horrible bit before <laughs> everything I've had it's all been great bits so I've never had to burn anything out so I've never had to test this <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah uh, I think Kyburn also uh, did the same thing to Jamie Lannister but I don't know if the science
1: behind it holds I don't know. I don't know. We should ask Jon Snow. He seems to know. Yeah. Okay. I know science and nothing else. We also get a reset of the
0: story of the mountain and the hound about how the hound took a toy from the mountain. What toy do you think it was? (laughs) A train. Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, I think it was probably like a doll. I think that that's uh, really the, the real embarrassing part of it, that the mountain plays with dolls. It's a, a Paw Patrol action figure, <laughs> Sky.
1: Yeah, he was playing with Sky, <laughs> and it ties in with the moon door later on in the episode. I like that the Hound also professes his
0: innocence, and maybe he protests too much. He's like, "I didn't steal it. I was just playing with it. I was just
1: playing." Uh, well, there, there is this. Uh, like in all seriousness, there is this thing about this episode. There's this undercurrent of um, of adults being still deeply impacted by their childhoods. Uh, whether it is this moment here, where he's talking about playing with toys leading to the worst trauma of his life or uh, the scene we're going to get to very shortly with Tyrion and the Red Viper and this incredibly dark story you hear of what these people were like when they were kids and how that is a real mm-hmm. allegory for where they are now or the very final scene of the episode of uh, the deep seated um, uh rivalry that Lysa has even for her sister now that she's dead like I, I think all of that is a really interesting element that's at play here in Mockingbird really, really- Really clever writing, I think.
0: Yeah. And the Hound is also talking about how it was really my dad that was also part of the problem because he took my brother's side and lied to people and said that my bedding caught fire. He protected my brother. Of course, uh, you and I have talked many times about how Game of Thrones is often a story about terrible fathers and uh, the uh, elder Clegane probably uh, has to be somewhere on that top 20 list.
1: Yeah. How have we never even heard more about this guy? Uh, Like, could, like, zombie father Clegane be the true winner of the Clegane Bowl? He was in charge
0: of the Lannister Hounds, right? Like, he was, uh, like, that's, like, their house sigil is with, uh, like, he was basically, like, uh, ran the kennel for the Lannisters.
1: That sounds probably true. I wish that I could tell you with authority, but I don't really, I'm not brushed up on my house Clegane history at Mm -hmm. this point in time. Yeah. Okay. So Arya's like, all right, let me just wash it out. So Arya is trying to do a solid here for the Hound yeah uh yeah she's trying to help him out like it seems like they are finally starting to speak the same language to a certain degree okay let's get into
0: brianna podrick Oh, yeah. And hot pie mm-hmm. hot pie. And here comes hot pie, who we he will be serving a kidney. Like we see the pie placed on the table at the start of the scene. And there's, you know, should be I think everybody who knows about hot pie uh, is thinking like, oh, wait, maybe could this be? And uh, we see Brianne and Pod talking about how that after, you know, life on the road, this is uh, they're going to treat themselves. And here comes hot pie to talk about the difference between
1: a good kidney pie and a so-so kidney pie yeah it's all about the gravy if you give up on the gravy you don't have a pie no gravy no pie everybody knows these rules beef kidneys versus calf kidneys did he say which ones are better i think the calf kidneys are the way to go yeah probably right i mean like not like uh no, i you think know, that's what the, he's saying i think that's what he's saying yeah. he's, like, I think he's like some people try to do it with a beef kidney but come on yeah he's talking about like hey, the, don't no beef kidney shaming hot pie i mean you get what you get right and like also just like the the animal cruelty aspect of the calf kidney. Like, we don't need to go there we don't care. care yeah he's a monster hot <laughs> pie <laughs> yeah he's an actual criminal
0: and he starts asking about armor and says oh you wear armor you must be a knight i'm from king's landing i'm from flea bottom tell me about what you're doing here i want to know everything I'm looking for
1: the starks tell about the starks and so was like i have no idea what you're talking about uh, i gotta go <laughs> right very nervous
0: and podrick i think appropriately says to brianne yeah you know i just i wouldn't open with that <laughs>
1: I really liked that exchange too, where they leave the place after Brienne has been like, "Yeah, where's Sansa and Arya?" and Hoppe is like, "I don't know," and Podrick's like, ah. "It's like, what? Why are you? Why are you sighing?" Like, and he says, "I don't want to offend you," and she goes, "You're not interesting enough to be offensive." Mm-hmm. It's like, screw you, Brienne. This is Podrick Payne. He's got stories. Yeah. We see a very don't know interesting guy. Little Fingers. Yeah, very interesting guy. Uh, he says that, yeah, he probably shouldn't be telling people we're looking for the Starks. There's probably lots of money in that, and we're going to get killed, and it's not going to be great. Yes. Um, but Hot Pie comes in and blows up Pod's Spot right away. Right. And uh, he comes back. And he
0: says, uh, hey, just so you know, uh, I don't know anything about uh, the Sansa Stark, but I know Arya Stark. She was dressed as a boy. Goes by
1: Ari. She loves my doggy bread. Mm hmm. Yeah. So he's made more doggy bread. And so he gives her the dog bread, the wolf bread and says, if you see her, please give her this wolf bread. Uh, she'll really like it and that's hot pie like putting a lot of faith in either the fact that these guys are going to find Arya quickly or that his wolf bread is going to last a while he doesn't have like a box or anything to put it in it's just sort of like
0: here put this in your bag like it's going to hold up and not for anything how many of these wolf breads is hot pie making I mean did he you know come up with the design for this and now it's like a hot item or does he make one every day, hoping that Aria will stop by.
1: Which is a dangerous practice in either regard because they're in a politically fraught time where the Starks have fallen out of favor. Maybe don't make so much wolf bread. Right. That being said, like it's kind of like a crappy looking wolf. Maybe like, hey, it's a lion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a cat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, what Hot Pie is thinking. It's cat
0: bread. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's in the north where this is going to be, you know, uh, a hot item.
1: No, uh, but he's, he's got it and he's giving it to them. And you're right. Like the lack of Tupperware is probably a problem. Um, but Brienne is really giving you giving project that whole, like I told you. So what were you saying about me being an idiot? Mm -hmm. What was that about you being the one who's the actual idiot? Maybe it's like a novelty item in the
0: Riverlands, where like right after the Red Wedding, like people are like biting the head off the wolf uh, bread. Oh,
1: maybe. Oh, that's dark. Like they're putting like the wolf bread head on like a popsicle stick or something. <laughs> yeah, doing stuff like that.
0: Okay, oh, so Brianne and Podrick uh, curiously decide to walk with their horses, maybe because they need to talk through where they're going to go. And uh, in true <laughs> Robert Frost fashion, uh, they uh, come to a fork in the road yeah and uh they're like what would have happened if they'd gone the other way yeah it's not like that there's like a road sign of like this way to
1: winterfell this way to the Erie. i didn't really understand exactly what the symbolism of this was um other than like in the, the Brienne storyline in the books, it's very meandering, mm-hmm. painfully so, where she is, you, you as the reader are watching her wander around the riverlands, knowing that she is nowhere even remotely in the vicinity of her goal. Yeah. And it's very, it's very difficult. And so maybe this is like, well, at least she's walking in the right direction. Yeah. And also, I'm not sure if necessarily if there's like a through line
0: here between what Hot Pie ultimately says about Arya Stark and then deciding
1: to go off to the Vale so that they're assuming that both of them could go to the Vale. I mean, they're going to go in that direction and they're going to run into Arya and the Hound on the road. So Hot Pie's hot tip definitely got them in uh, in the right direction, at least for a fight.
0: Mm hmm. So let's go to Tyrion, who now sits down with Prince Oberyn and uh, Prince Oberyn starts off talking about how uh, Tyrion thinks he would be at the brothel. And he says, well, I had a great uh, encounter with a blonde. And Tyrion's like, oh, tell me more.
1: It was your sister. Oh, oh, snap. And Tyrion's like, blah, blah. Yes. Don't want to talk about her at all. Yes, we don't like any incest stories in this family. No, it's a taboo subject. And yes. uh, uh, Oberyn's going to talk about how we. Re- I was talking with her the other day about how she's very worried about her daughter. And she's trying to pretend very hard that she doesn't want me to vote against you. Um, and he says that it's rare to meet a Lannister who shares my enthusiasm for dead Lannisters. She desperately wants to see you killed.
0: Mm-hmm. And so... He is uh, telling the story about how when he was a, a kid, he came to Casterly Rock. And he was very disappointed with you, Tyrion, because I expected to see a monster. I heard all these stories and he said, that's not a monster, that's a baby.
1: Just a baby. Yeah, it's supposed to have like a, like a red eye and a tail and claws, all sorts of stuff. And it just ends up being, it just ends up being a baby and, you know, he says, like, your head was a little big, your your arms and legs were a little small, but no claw, no red eye, no tail, just a quote-unquote tiny pink cock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, that's not a monster, that's a baby. And she said, he killed my mother. Uh, and then she was doing something very bad to Tyrion, and it sounds like just like the perfect example of awful childhood cruelty, and I sincerely hope that there are no Game of Thrones prequels planned for like kid Lannisters. I feel <laughs> like this would be a terrible show. I don't want to watch this at all. This is an animated series they're planning. Oh, miserable. Yeah. And so
0: ultimately, Prince Oberyn, he wants justice because this is his chance to stick it to the Lannisters. This is his chance to stick it to the mountain.
1: I will be your champion. Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, we're we're going through this scene really quickly. It's just it's a beautifully acted scene. It is, it is spectacular acting from the Dink, who is mostly reacting to Pedro Pascal as Red Viper. Uh, it is the epitome of a great scene involving the Red Viper and Tyrion Lannister. And it's just, it's wonderful, and it's super heroic, that moment where uh, the Red Viper, he spins around, and he's got the torch in his hand, and he says, I will be your champion. It's just... It's so great, and you believe in this guy, and for the first time in such a long time, you have hope for Tyrion Lannister. And oh, if you thought that this was a place for justice, you've come to the wrong place. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay,
1: let's go to
0: the eerie, and let's talk about what is going on in uh, the snow. Sansa has recreated
1: Winterfell. Yes, she has built a perfect Winterfell replica out of snow, an incredible snow castle. And here comes Sweet Robin to play along and two kids building snow castles. And they're talking about how, oh, in the future, it's going to be great. I'm going to be, you know, I'm the Lord of the Vale. And one day I'm going to marry you and we can put people through the moon door. We can put a moon door in Winterfell. It'll be great. And he starts to try and put a moon door in the snow castle. And he, like, knocks over a tower. And I don't remember how I felt about it at the time. And you know how much I'm a fansa. I love Sansa Stark. Overreaction from Sansa Sergeant in oh, sure. this I mean, moment. This spirals out of control because this out is like, this is
0: going pretty well because, uh, you know, we know that Sansa is now betrothed to Sweet Robin. They have like a nice moment about how, uh, does Winterfell have a moon door? And then, hey, when we're together, we could throw whoever you want out the moon door. And it's like oh, this is like, oh, this is like kind of sweet. And then they say, hey, let's make a moon door at Winterfell. And then Sweet Robin like accidentally Knocks down one of he's the kid. towers. He's a kid. And he Sansa leaned on it the wrong just way. Like blows up at him like look explosion. A, look what you did. Look what you did, you stupid idiot. You ruined it. You ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> look what you did, you little jerk. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well,
1: well, the F you, I hated it anyway. And then yeah, and then he stomps on it. Oh, uh, it's just, it's out of hand so fast. And she smacks him, and it's like a classic Tyrion v. Joffrey sma- uh, smack. And right. uh, again, you just got to point out when uh, when the show really makes you want to think about like Tyrion and Sansa in similar contexts. Oh, it's just, maybe, you know, <laughs> just something to <laughs> and consider. He's like, ah, you hit me! Yes. And he runs yes. away. Yes. Okay, all right. Here comes little Littlefinger. <laughs> He's just been watching the whole time and like watching Santa act like a thirteen-year-old, even though she's like sixteen at this point. Right? Uh, is like this is this is it? He's like, yeah, this is what I like. I like it. I like it when people are just acting like total idiot children. Right? And she's like, oh,
0: I shouldn't have done that. And he's like, oh, his mother should have done that to him a long time ago.
1: <laughs>
0: <Crashed her. laughs> that's, that's how Littlefinger talks now.
1: <laughs> He is such oh. sketchiness in this scene. He really is like it's like, oh, Santa. Like it's just <laughs> it's so nasty. This is so gross. I loved your mother. <laughs> in another life, in a better world, I could be your Daddy, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Okay. Blah. So I I do think
0: that this uh, does fly in the face, uh, or even slaps in the face of where we do get the little finger mastermind chaos is a ladder, little finger pulling all the strings. But the, all of this does come across as very sloppy.
1: Where super uh, sloppy. Yeah, uh, I,
0: I don't know if we could look at this as okay. This is all master plan where. Littlefinger steps in. He knows Lysa is watching. He's going to plant one on Santa because he knows that that's going to get Lysa all wound up. And so no way that that's
1: actually a thing, right? Well, yeah, exactly, and I and I also think so. So this is instinct, right? Like this, these are his basic desires that he is letting rule his his universe in this moment, and it's it's all feeding from this stuff. It's all feeding from these uh, these childhood slights that he sustained, where he loved Catelyn uh, Tully, and her betrothal to the Stark family was something that he loathed. And why is that the way of the world? And I will do everything I can to make sure that's never. The way of things ever again, and I'm going to destroy everybody in my path. And similar to what we were saying before about how the Hound is the way he is because he played with his older brother's toys and got messed up over it, or like the 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 stuff from from Tyrion and his sister that we just rehashed, or where we're about to go with Lysa and her deep seated jealousy over Ptyr, uh and and all of that. It's it's Littlefinger himself. Everything that he is doing, it's it's all stemming back to how he was slighted as a kid. Um, and so when, when you're reminded of that in this really gross moment where he's going to tell Sansa here that I loved your mother in a better world, you would have been my child. We don't live in that world. We live in the world where I'm going to plant a wet one on you, which is so gross and terrible. Um, these are all like, this is all like his childhood fantasies is what carries him forward through everything in that regard, him getting wrecked the way that he is going to get wrecked later on in the series that tracks mm-hmm. that makes sense okay so
0: we see Sansa and Lysa and now uh, Lysa with Moon Door open she's talking about how uh, do you know how far down it is she's talking about like uh, the body just like explodes they find the head in a different place uh, I'm not sure why Sansa just doesn't like turn around like uh, okay oh uh, uh, you know what oh uh, yeah. oh
1: yeah oh hey, somebody's calling me okay. yeah gotta take a call uh, yeah. Come here, Sansa. No! No, no. They're like, oh, wait, I think I left yeah.
0: the iron on in my room, in my quarters. Yeah. yeah. I'm a scared of heights. I don't mm-hmm. want to go near the moon door. Right. But she goes over there, and Lys is like, I know what you did. And so it's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to slap around. She's like, I don't care about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did deserve to be smacked around. Yeah, Don't be you- coy with me, yeah. you little whore. Wow. Come on. Language. Mm-hmm.
0: Lysa. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what happens to people who stand in between
1: Peter and me? They're all dead. Every last one of them. Right. So okay. She says like the entire family stood between us and now they're all dead and that's what happens and that's what's going to happen to you.
0: Yes. Okay. Little finger comes in and he's like, okay, hold on. Hold on here. Lisa. Yeah. So you
1: want this? This is what you want? Yes. She's never gonna love you. She sucks. yeah Why did you, you bring her here? I have this empty-headed child. <laughs> says, I'll, I'll send her away. I'll I'll will i I'll swear I swear on my life. I swear to all the gods. And he keeps saying, let her go. Let her go. Uh, and uh Oh my silly wife. <laughs> you know, you know, let her go. This it's is like Rupertesque
0: uh, to some degree.
1: This is where, this is where the Joker turns to Batman and says, poor choice of words and drops Sansa out the moon door. Uh, Littlefinger's very lucky that he's just dealing with Lysa Aaron right now with that. Let her go. Bad choice of words. Let her go. Let her go. (laughs) Another great Waldorf entry. (laughs) Yes. And so he says,
0: okay, silly Lysa. I've only loved one woman my entire life. And she's like, oh, your sister.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. This was a, a, a source of controversy, Rob, yes. because the line in the book is only cat. And that was like the stuff of t shirts and the stuff of live journal inscriptions and profile quotes. Uh, and the fact that he says, your sister here was uh, it generated. Why? What a was the cl- reason for the change? Anything? I don't know. I don't, I think like maybe like people don't remember Catelyn Stark. I think like if you say your sister, it's a little clearer. Mm hmm. Right. I feel like it, it's, it feels like it's got a little bit more punctuation mm-hmm. to just say your sister. Like that really underscores the sister. moment. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted justice. Somebody did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. Lisa. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, and another another excellent moment here. Uh, another great closing of an episode here in season four of Game of Thrones, a season that definitely has. I was talking to our good friend Sir Sir uh, Sir Brendan of House Fitzy, recently, uh, and in our conversation, we talked about how uh, is season four better than season three? I think it's a it's a worthwhile question to have, mm-hmm. and season four definitely has the moments that. Pop the best so far like there's been so many times this season where there's just been like a oh just like a total oh snap moment uh this being one of them but then for for all of that there are like the scenes of uh stannis at the iron bank yeah or solise helping melisandre with a bath
0: yeah high highs and then some
1: forgettable moments but i think you take the high highs I think probably, I mean, this has been, this has been very fun to go back over and mm. to, to watch the whole moon door sequence again was, uh, was really, really tremendous.
0: Yes. Uh, do you think that Sansa will inevitably install a moon door in Winterfell?
1: No. I mean, like you could put like a, like a, like a sunroof, mm-hmm. maybe put a moon door and like you're gonna hop like three feet to the ground Mm -hmm. yeah there's really no use to it technically I mean they have like a window I mean uh, uh,
0: Sansa and I guess Uh, yes Enrique almost uh, I I mean kind of
1: uh, Miranda went out the moon door yeah and who am I to tisk tisk the the ability to get crippled at Winterfell considering (laughs) yeah it's kind of what starts the whole
0: thing (laughs) yeah kind of did go out the moon door there so (laughs) who needs a moon door Winterfell's got it covered yes all right so josh so much to talk about here next week when we get into the mountain and the red viper oh
1: oh my god it's 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 gonna be so gross
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes
1: yeah it's so it's so gross it's so terrible uh but it's happening yeah it's gonna be real and we will be here for it. OK, so I'm sure plenty of other stuff as well.
0: Uh, still three episodes left here in season four. Uh, if you have not yet listened to Josh Wiggler and Joe Garfine try to unpack the Westworld <laughs> season two finale. <laughs> Emphasis over, on try <laughs> over two hours. That's up on
1: social dot com right now. Oh, my God. I feel like we need to do like a podcast about the podcast. Like there's just there's too much, too much to cover in even two hours. But we did our best. OK, now you're talking my language. A podcast about a podcast. Oh,
0: my God. A pot on pot. It's, <laughs> just, it's a, an unheard of thing. Yes. All right. Of course. Uh, so we have that coming up next week. Uh, of course, follow everything else that Josh Wiggler is working on. He is at round Howard on Twitter for everything uh, he is working on for
1: T.H.R., Yes. And, uh, what I'm currently most working on is my tan as Whoa. I'm trying to just like take a moment to breathe. Maybe like uh, collect myself a little bit over here finally. Okay. Wow. Well, be careful uh,
0: with that tanning. Yeah, with that Carl Tanning. (laughs) Carl Tanning. (laughs) (laughs) Jin Alley. Of course. I've been uh, putting my Carl Tanner on. (laughs) Yes, I'm at Rob Cessner. We love the feedback we get from you guys about this podcast every single week. We'll be back with Season 4, Episode 8 next week. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.